personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, one immediately acquires causeless knowledge and detachment from the world. Srila Prabhupada's purport. Those who consider devotional service to the Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna, to be something like material, emotional affairs, may argue that in the revealed scriptures, Sacrifice, charity, austerity, knowledge, mystic powers, and similar other processes of transcendental realization are recommended. According to them, bhakti, or the devotional service of the Lord, is meant for those who cannot perform the high-grade activities. 
generally said that Bhakti cult is meant for the Shudras, Vaishyas and the less intelligent woman class. But that is not the actual fact. The Bhakti cult is the topmost of all transcendental activities and therefore it is simultaneously sublime and easy. It is sublime for the pure devotees who are serious about getting into contact with the Supreme Lord and it is easy for the neophytes who are just on the threshold of the house of Bhakti. To achieve the contact of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, is a great science and it is open for all living beings, including the Shudras, Vaishyas, women and even those lower than the low-born Shudras, so what to speak of, the high-class men, like the qualified Brahmanas and the great self-realized kings. The other high-grade activities designated as sacrifice, charity, austerity and so on are all corollary factors following the pure and scientific bhakti cult. The principles of knowledge and detachment are two important factors on the path of transcendental realization. The whole spiritual process leads to perfect knowledge of everything material and spiritual and the result of such perfect knowledge the results of such perfect knowledge are that one becomes detached from material perfection and becomes attached to spiritual activities becoming detached from material things does not mean becoming inert altogether. As men with a full fund of knowledge think, nice karma means not undertaking activities that will produce good or bad effects. Negation does not mean negation of the positive. Negation of the non-essential does not mean negation of the essential. Similarly, detachment from material forms does not mean nullifying the positive form. The bhakti cult is meant for realization of the positive form. When the positive form is realized, the negative forms are automatically eliminated. Therefore, with the development of the bhakti cult, with the application of positive service to the positive form, one naturally becomes detached from inferior things and he becomes attached to superior things. Similarly, the bhakti cult, being the supermost occupation of the living being, leads him out of material sense enjoyment. That is the sign of a pure devotee. He is not a fool, nor is he engaged in the inferior energies, nor does he have material values. This is not possible by dry reasoning, it actually happens by the grace of the Almighty. In conclusion, one who is a pure devotee has all other good qualities, namely knowledge, detachment and so on, but one who has only knowledge or detachment is not necessarily well acquainted with the principles of the Bhakti cult.
Bhakti is the supermost occupation of the human being. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Parastaya Bhutalaya Sumati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Vichinamane Namaste Sarasate Devai Gaura Vanita Chalani Hindi Shaisa Sri Varita Stratsa Vesatarani Om Angyana Timaram Basya Gananjana Shalataya Chaksur Udhivitam Jana Asma Shri Garvei Namaha Panchakalpa Kribyas Chakrita Sindhu Gyeva Chakritanam Bhagavadyo Vaishadeva Namo Namaha So this verse is spoken by Sutta Goswami, who was present before the sages at Nainasaranya Forest. And a great authority who had, was present when earlier Bhagavatam had first been spoken in public by Sukadeva Goswami to Maharaj Pritchett. So when these sages at Nainasaranya Forest were gathered together, and Sutta Goswami appeared among him and immediately sat among the uh, asana and said, started asking spiritual questions. And so his authority. So one of the questions they asked was, there are so many scriptures and they say different things. So how are we supposed to know what is the best religion for everyone? So the previous verse, which was discussed last Sunday, we'll just give a little review here. He said, the, uh, the supreme parodharma, the supreme dharma, religion or duties, Savaipum Sam Parodharma, that supreme religion for all people, Yato Bhaktiya Adhoksita is that by which one achieves bhakti or devotion to the Adhoksajay, the Lord who is beyond the perception of our material senses, the transcendent Lord. Notice the answer is in Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, or this group or that group, is bhakti. Wherever you get bhakti, that's the supreme dharma. And then he says, he gives the qualifications, This bhakti, when we talk about pure bhakti, it has these characteristics, it is ahaituki, without any motivation. In other words, bhakti means devotional service to the Lord. If I'm performing that devotional service to God, but I'm actually wanting something back, that's not bhakti. That's a business deal. So bhakti means when there's love for God, I serve God simply because He's God, because I, I love Him. No other reason. So it's called a haituki. And, uh, and a, a haituki and apratiyata, uh, without any interruption. It is not different from my life. I do it all the time. It is not that, like today, most people, here's my life and over here is my religion. I do that on Sunday, but like a hobby. But otherwise, I keep it in this place and my life is a display. This is not bhakti. Bhakti means there's no difference between your religion and your life. So that's his statement, this Paro Dharma. Now, the next question is, well, wait a minute, we, the Vedas are very vast and they talk about other things, they talk about sacrifice, charity, and especially 
very important knowledge and renunciation. That'll be the next question. Well, if bhakti is it, what about all these other things, and especially uh, jnana and vairagya? And so he, he anticipates this question by saying, uh, when there is bhakti yoga, yoga Prabhupada says contact with the Supreme by devotion. Yoga means you know, coming into contact, connecting. Vasudeva uh, Bhagavati, when there is this bhakti into the Supreme Lord, this Vasudeva is one of Krishna's names, the son of Vasudeva, his father is Vasudeva. So in Sanskrit, there's a way of making uh, a patronymic Vasudeva, the son of Vasudeva. Uh, here, who uh, is Bhagavati? Uh, when there is this bhakti, devotional service to the Supreme Lord, then uh, these two things, uh, this bhakti, Janayat Yashu, Yashu means very quickly, soon, it produces vairagya and jnanam. Vairagya means detachment. Which everybody knows, any spiritual path that's actually serious, it will tell you this. I don't care what religious tradition you're following. Now, sometimes they don't tell you this because uh, then they think you go away and won't give donations. But uh, the truth of the matter is, if we really want genuine spiritual progress, Vairagya, we have to be detached. And every re re religious tradition, on the level where it becomes uh, serious about spiritual life, they will tell you this. Uh, and uh, jnana, knowledge is required. Knowledge is required. So he's saying that when, uh, uh, when there is bhakti, these things will come quickly, and it, it says here, uh, uh, ahitukam, of their own accord. But it says causes, you don't have to, they, it, it will happen. If there is bhakti, then these other things, uh, jnana and vairagya, knowledge, uh, detachment, and also whatever other things are recommended. In other words, bhakti is all-inclusive, and everything else that is recommended in the scriptures, if you have bhakti, that will also be done. That will also be done. Yeah, even, yeah, even in the beginning. So, so Prabhupada is discussing this, because there are people that sometimes think of this about bhakti, because it involves love for Krishna. So a person who is performing the, uh, devotional service, when they become advanced, they are in love with Krishna, really in love with Krishna. Tears fill their eyes when they think of Krishna, their voices choke. They go into ecstasy. And people say, just like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like that, you know? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who, who is the, the, the one who is in this age teaching, the, coming to be the teacher, of especially bhakti centered on the chanting of the names of God. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who lived, uh, lived born in 1486, uh, at that time, he, he, this was in, 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 in Navadri, in, in, uh, in now Western Gaul. That was uh, like, Navadri was like uh, Oxford or Cambridge. You know, it was like an intellectual headquarters of, uh, of India practically. Many professors of 
of grammar and, and logic and nyaya and all these sort of kind of things there. So Mahaprabhu was also he's a grammarian, trained up in uh, Vyakarana, uh, like an academic person. And uh, he got a reputation of being a very, very sharp scholar. But at a certain point, he began to manifest symptoms of bhakti. Uh, and he was dancing and chanting like a crazy guy. So, one time he was visiting the city, the city of uh, Varnasi, Benares, they call now called Benares. And there were some uh, uh, sannyasis of the impersonal school who studied Vedanta and tried to develop jnana and vairagya, knowledge and detachment by studying Vedanta. And when they, when they met with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, first they said, hey, you're one of us, because he was initiated by yeah, Ishwara Puri, uh, a Sanyasi, uh, in their order. Uh, and they said, uh, you're one of us. He said, what, what are you doing with all these sentimental people? They were referring to, why are you uh, chanting and dancing with fanatics? Why are you making this big emotional display? You should be studying Vedanta. That was their criticism. So even then, when people see bhakti, they think it's some inferior, low-class, emotional thing as women, children, people like that, but not for serious guys. <laughs> so here, this verse, this spoken by Sukhita Swami, uh, goes against this idea that that bhakti is some uh, material, emotional affair. Uh, we, as, as human beings, uh, we do several things. We think, we feel, and we will. We, we, are, we are thinking, feeling, and willing are our, our activities. Uh, and so when there's full development of bhakti, all these things are there. Uh, and, and including feeling. Uh, but unfortunately, our emotions in the material world are the cause of our bondage. We become attached. We fall in love uh, with other human beings, sometimes very appropriately. Sometimes we fall in love with dogs and cats. Uh, sometimes we fall in love with uh, movie stars and political leaders. And whatever we fall in love with in the material world causes attachment to the material world and causes bondage. So this is a very well-known fact. You know, even in the West, everybody knew this. This is not esoteric knowledge from India. Uh, uh, An early English poet uh, uh, wrote a poem, a poem beginning, Leave me, O love, which reaches but to dust. Everybody knew this. They were warned about the dangers of excessive material attachments. 
and that one's feelings should be actually be reposed on, on, on God. But when people see that our relationships and our attachments with other human beings and things in this world are the cause of the bondage, some people think that the proper course of affairs is to have no feelings. The complete atrophy of all affection. And they become, uh, and they perform severe austerities and penances. And they become dry like sticks and hard like stones. And I think this will free them, and I think they're advanced. So, this is speaking against this point of view. Because we have feelings and we have attachments, because we are meant to feel and we are meant to be attached, but the proper object of our feelings and attachments is actually Krishna. We are meant to love Krishna. Now many people when you talk about love of God, they don't know, they, they have a hard time understanding that because if they believe in God, God is somebody they're afraid of, mostly, and maybe they have some respect for, but you, you, you know, actual love like you have for people in this world sometimes, they can't imagine that. Because we know when teenagers fall in love, it's very intense. And they meditate. I mean, you, you, you don't have to, a 16-year-old boy, to concentrate his mind without any deviation in samadhi on a 16-year-old girl. He does not have to work very hard, it's natural. <laughs> But if you say you should feel like that about God, people, they don't know what? So, people do, do not have very much acquaintance with, with what's called here Vasudeva Bhagavati. Be, be, because, that's why we like the name Krishna. I mean, Krishna is not a Hindu God. Krishna is just God. Uh, uh, there's only one God. But we like the name Krishna because it simply points to one very important characteristics of God which people don't know about, that He is all attractive. God is all attractive. You just think what it means, just the idea of when we say God, the, like a formal philosophical definition of God is that, that which no greater can be conceived. A being you can't conceive of anyone greater. If you can think of anyone greater, then that's God. <laughs> so this means whatever is wonderful and marvelous, God has in full. So therefore, He has to be the most attractive person. If you put, if there was a universal beauty contest, Krishna would win. If there was a, a universal contest to say who was the richest, Krishna would win. It says there's things that make people attractive, right? They're, 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 because his name, Bhagavan, right? One who possesses Bhagavan. 
and, and th these are these are these are the things: wealth, strength, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. This part of Sardamuni comes up with this list of what makes a person attractive. Let's just, well, beauty we talked about. Someone's very beautiful, really, really good looking. People come just to see. Especially nowadays we have our movie stars and, and, and so on. Just because they're, they're just beautiful, right? You can't take your eyes off of them. They go in movies to see you can stare at somebody that's beautiful for uh, three hours, you know, two or three hours. So if someone's very beautiful, if somebody's rich, they're attractive. If you have lots of money, you have lots of friends. And if you lose your money, they all vanish. <laughs> so it's a fact that wealth is attractive. If somebody is very strong or powerful, they're attractive. Uh, sometimes you see these men who are politicians, you know, ugly little guys, but somehow or other they, <laughs> they have lots of attractive, they attract a lot of people because they have power right? and strength. So that's also attractive, right? So somebody with wealth, somebody with strength, somebody with beauty, if somebody is famous, they're attractive. Even if they're famous in a bad way, infamous. Uh, some, 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 uh, you know, what's that guy that, 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 that uh, is supposed to kill that girl and just came into Colorado? I forgot his name. Huh? Yeah, car, right? You heard he was just down the street, everybody wanted to go see, just because he's famous. You know? <laughs> the photographer's going like crazy. So fame itself is attractive. And some people, that's the only attribute they have is fame. It's a, a classic definition of a celebrity, one who's famous for being famous. <laughs> uh, and it's true. One, one time, one time in, 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 in London, uh, outside of London, here we have the Bhaktivedanta Manor, and we, every, every Janmasmi, thousands and thousands of people were coming. And it was this little village, and people got upset that so many people were coming for Janmasmi in the village, Bhaktivedanta Manor, and the government said no more people can come for Janmasmi, and so we had a big protest. I don't know, some of you may have heard about this. We were having protest marches and everything like that. So I happened to be in, 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 in there, we were having, in London, and they said, we're having a, a big march, we're starting in Wembley, and we're marching to the manor. And uh, so, yeah, would you come and be a part of this march? And because I'm a member of the GDC, I was right in front. And so they said, we have some famous people marching. So I said, okay. So we were gathered together in the schoolyard, this car pulls up, and the door opens and this guy gets out and other, I start hearing these ah! and hundreds of teenage girls come running up and this is actor named Rishi Kapoor this big film star and I, I almost died you know getting trampled to death by all these girls 
And so he was on my right, on my left was a guy named Sunil Deveska. <laughs> you know, I don't know what a cricket player is, and I know baseball players, but anyway. And, and so I saw these two very famous people, you know, and I, I just saw what happens, you know, when you're famous. You know? <laughs> Everybody coming up and getting autographs and having to keep people away and so on. These people, so that, that's attractive, right? Just because they're famous. So wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, not that also. You know, if you have a lot of knowledge, you can always get a job. <laughs> people want you. Yeah. You're a smart, Nobel Prize winner, this, that, the other thing. You know, that's also very attractive quality. The last one on the list is renunciation. Now that one we don't know so much about, because we don't see it. But just imagine somebody who's really good looking and really rich and really famous, and yet is completely detached and is not at all puffed up. You give yourself, that's really a very attractive quality, huh? So these are the opulences. Krishna has, God has all of them in full. So that is say, if you actually could know God, meet God, you'd fall in love. Spontaneous, instantly obsessed. That's why we like the name Krishna, he's all attractive. If you really know Krishna, he's all attractive. Has all these qualities in full. So bhakti is natural. It's our natural response if we actually somehow have some yoga, bhakti yoga, some contact with Krishna, immediately those feelings will come out. And if we have those feelings for Krishna, we will then think, everything else I was attached to in love with, that was a second-rate substitute for Krishna. This is who I really love. This is who I was really looking for. This is who I really wanted to be with. And we are completely fulfilled. And actually, then our love can flow without any limit. You see, what happens in this world is this world is a temporary place. In this world, everything dies. These are commonplaces, of course. Everybody knows this. But we, we actually get through life by not knowing it. We, we, we forget this fact. Uh, we're surprised when somebody dies. Uh, we, 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 think, uh, we think of some horrible place, you know, some a poor country where the death rate is so big and we think it's nice here, we don't have such a death rate, whereas the death rate is actually 100% here also. Uh, so we forget this fact. But actually, in one sense, we always know it. And so, whenever we love somebody in this world, or something in this world, and we become attached, we're setting ourselves up for suffering. This is what happens. We set ourselves up for suffering. Uh, one's uh, spouse or children are sometimes called hostages to fortune. Because once you, 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 you make these attachments, uh, anything can happen, uh, you're going to suffer. Uh, we make arrangements, you see, in order to enjoy in this world, we make all kinds of arrangements of relationships, another kind of yoga, <laughs> with other people. 
But the thing about all the relationships in this material world, where sooner or later they come to an end. And in fact we have to work very hard to maintain and perpetuate these relationships. We're always in anxiety. And we try to keep them going and keep them going and keep them going, but ultimately, well, once I read a definition of death, before I became a devotee, in fact it was in an astrology book, uh, but it was the greatest definition of death. It called death the ultimate failure to perpetuate relationships. <laughs> and so we all face that ultimate failure. And what this does is we want to love. Actually we have a desire to love without limit. And when we invest our love in somebody, uh, we end up suffering. We always say, you know, we're looking at the, the, the songs, at least they used to tell you, you know, that you should, you will find happiness when you fall in love. And everybody wants to fall in love. Uh, but actually, you know, this deep, full, total romantic love, which is total and complete and utter, you may notice that it only happens to really young people. Okay, of course, the paradigm of all this is Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet are 14 years old. Uh, because after you do that once or twice, you've learned your lesson and you say, never, never again. And we become sadder but wiser, as the expression goes, and we're very, very cautious about our relationships like this. And in fact, if it happens to if we get hurt enough times, we become bitter and cynical. And why is that? Because we actually want to love. But the, the problem is, in this world, there is no adequate object. So where does this desire to love come from? According to Vedanta, uh, everything is coming from the Absolute Truth, is coming from Krishna. The, the, the loving uh, propensity, the, the disposition to love is there in full in God. We are tiny samples of God, we, we come from Krishna, so we also have that. And that is what it is for. When the relationship with Krishna is developed through devotional service, in love, then naturally, automatically, everything else comes in its, in its track. Uh, knowledge, uh, renunciation, I become attached to Krishna, uh, my attachments to other things are put into perspective. It doesn't mean we don't have any feeling or relationship with other things. No, that doesn't mean that at all. Prabhupada in his purport, remember he's talking about uh, negation of the non-essentials does not mean negation of the essentials. So this vairagi, this renunciation, doesn't mean that I look at the whole world and say it's evil, it's useless, it's temporary, let's wipe it out. Because there are people that do like this. They, 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 uh, they, they, they reject uh, out of their austerities and their renunciation the whole world. Uh, they, they go off in the, the caves of the Himalayas or other desert places and desert places and, and completely have nothing to do with anything. 
They even say the world doesn't really exist, that it's all a kind of phantasmagoria. Uh, and it completely devalues the world whatsoever. But in, in, in Bhakti, we understand that things, everything is actually related to Krishna. Everything is in relationship to God. And Bhakti lets us see everything in relationship to Krishna. By using everything in Krishna's service, we see everything in relationship to Krishna. And so we can see the world as it actually is. Not the Mayak world of there is no God and everything's happening by chance. And, uh, but we actually, and so actually, uh, a, 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 a devotee begins to value other things and other people much more than the materialist who's attached to them. Because it values them in a relationship to Krishna. When I first became a devotee, uh, of course I knew we were vegetarians, uh, and we didn't eat meat, fish, or eggs. Uh, but I, I discovered, when I started studying Prabhupada's uh, uh, books, uh, Prabhupada said that uh, this, that uh, the citizens of a country, according to uh, uh, the real uh, Bhakti tradition, the Vedic tradition, every living being is a citizen. The praja means all living beings. And that, that the, 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 this time is that Marathi, the king is responsible for taking care of all living beings. And I was astonished to read this because when I put what he said, he was talking about the responsibility of the kings. He is not just to protect human beings, but all living beings in the kingdom. Because every living being is actually part and parcel of Krishna. And then when I translated into our modern language, I said, you know what this means? This means that animals and plants have civil rights. So actually, one begins to value things in this world far more than one does. I can just, you know, go through this world with, with a swath of destruction, killing it as I go everywhere. Uh, well, actually, one begins to value things as they are because we see things in relationship to Krishna. So bhakti yoga, the, the process of renunciation in bhakti yoga is not to reject the objects of the senses, but to engage this, the object of the senses in Christmas service. Not to reject my own senses, but to, but to use them in Christmas service. So we should become attached to Krishna. We should not think that Krishna is, that God is, because he's a height, because he's a host today, he's beyond our material senses, that actually he has no name, no form, no qualities, no activities, when, when, when people only know the negative of, about God, then there's no way you can, you can uh, love Him. But before I became a Christian devotee, I mean I was raised in a Christian family, but I just thought of God as sort of a luminous cloud of gas. And that was not possible to love a luminous cloud of gas. Uh, God is a person. I'm a person. I have senses and activities. God is certainly greater than me. Isn't he a person? Doesn't he have senses and activities? 
So why, why should I deny these things of, 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 of the Lord? So, and he's the all-attractive person. Now it is true that Krishna cannot be perceived by our materially contaminated senses. Nevertheless, by his mercy, he manages to come to be present for us so that even though we cannot see spirit now and, and see Krishna directly face to face with our material senses, he appears in a way that we can bring even our materially contact, the senses into contact with him, and our senses become purified. So here, here's Krishna, there, there, there's Radha Shargi Hari, they're very beautiful. That's Radha and Krishna, there they are. Krishna is here in the form of his name, I say Hari Krishna. Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. Do you say Hari Krishna, you're actually associating with Krishna. At the beginning we may not realize that, but if, but if, we, if we cultivate Krishna's name, gradually, our minds and our hearts will become purified and Krishna will start to appear. Krishna and Krishna's statue of the same. Krishna appears in this way. On so many ways, Krishna has made himself available to our senses so that we can engage in, in, in bhakti. When that bhakti purifies us, this vairagya detachment will occur naturally spontaneously, it will not be an impossible struggle. And we will understand. We will understand. Knowledge means, jnana means, we will, we will know uh, uh, who God is. That is to say, who is the ultimate source of all energies. We will understand Krishna, we will understand ourselves, and we will understand this whole world and everything else as it actually is. We actually already know this stuff, but it's covered. It will become uncovered. So that's why this process here uh, of, of bhakti is now highly recommended in Bhagavatam. If you perform bhakti, automatically all other things will be accomplished. This is the assurance here that Sutta Goswami is giving. I've run out of time, so I can give you so many more examples <laughs> and statements, but we don't really uh, we, we use them my time. Thank you very much. Uh, we don't have time for questions either, I'm sorry. We have some announcements though, so don't leave. We have an important holiday coming up this week on Friday. Thank you, Mr. Prabhu, for sharing your knowledge about Krishna consciousness with us. Um, if you have any questions um, that are not the subject matter, you can come ask after this and I'll yeah, yeah. ask them, Mr. Prabhu. Also, many of you have the Bhagavad Gita at home, and before this, you've studied the Bhagavad Gita. Um, if you want to purchase this Bhagavatam, um, you can read along with us and study with us as you read it. Um, you can do so in the bookstore. Um, it comes in the whole volume set, or you can just purchase, you know, book by book and book um, So please, you know, follow for your own benefit, follow with us when um, reading the Bhagavatam. As the minister mentioned, that we had a couple of holidays coming up. Um, 
the big one is this Friday. It's the appearance day of Radhastami. For the Yoga Radhastami, we're having two classes in the evening, on Wednesday night and Thursday night. These will be given by Jujan Money. These are these will be classes on prayers that Rupa Goswami made to Srimati Radharani, how to properly understand them. So they begin, the classes will begin each night, Wednesday and Thursday at 7.15, and they'll go until 9 o'clock. Right here. Right here in the company. And then on Friday night, uh, we'll be celebrating Radhasana, the appearance day of Radharani. The program will begin at 6 o'clock and go to 9.30. Uh, there is a schedule outside of the bulletin board as well on the other side of the temple door here. Um, it starts at 6 o'clock, so depending on what time you get off of work, you may want to go a little bit early that day so you can make the whole entire program. Uh, we're still looking for some sponsors if you want to contribute to this festival, including a party in the office. And um, I believe that's all for us today. We have two families that made sausages for the Sunday feast. Um, we have Kalia and Sethabakhi Singh. And they sponsored on the occasion of Kali Singh's 60th birthday and their daughter's first wedding anniversary. And the other family is Gopi and Satyamara. They sponsored a feast in memory of their mother and mother-in-law. So I can invite them also forward to the of the chapel. Whoa, what's this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and also for how we get a second place and send such a normal. That's also a chance to have a
I would like to invite all of people who are basically helping us and Padhuk, Vidal Dean, please come forward and take a small gift from our temple. Shashmita Madhavi. This is a very good book. Madhavi <laughs> needs this book, that's why I asked you. He was asking yesterday about this book. Okay, it's God, isn't it? Gautam Patel is a book. This is a real nice one too, right? Shantosh Adoramadari. Wow, these are all book distributors, huh? Distributing the books. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Also, like I would like to recognize two of our Bantam Bhakti Yoksa group devotees who helped us in last two Saturdays on Pantlining and Camden Waterfront. So I would like to invite Murli Prabhu. The whole Bantalam group is basically very active in the Bantalam area. They are distributing books every Saturday and they have been done last Saturday also. They are helping us in doing Rathyatra, distributing a set of flyers and temple information. And we see so many people coming from that area because of them. Because we are introducing our temple and our Rathyatra culture so much. We would like to give a great thankful for the Bantalam group. Anyone would like to join us or want to let us know like where we can register uh, a public event, where we can distribute more about Prasyatra or our temple, please let us know. You can come to our table and give us information. We will be happy to go over there and help us you in the other information. Thank you very much. Please don't be shy. 
Um, today, while you're out there taking prasadam, take time to talk to some of the people involved. Stop by the book table and get information about our Rafi or take some posters along with you. We also still have opportunities to sponsor different parts of the Rafi Asher. So once again, if you'd like to engage in that service, uh, please feel free to talk with us. We can give you more information during our feed. I would like to ask the devotees that have been diligently working in preparation for Rafi Asher, just stand for a minute so they can identify with you. If you can just stand up, Gautam. And look for these people out in the yard. Please stand up for Justin and all of our Rafi Asher. Sashmita, uh, stand up if you've been healthy with Rafi Asher. Look for these people outside and they'll be very glad to help you get engaged for this event. So Rafi Asher, Ijaz. Okay, we're going to take a break now. Okay, one, one more. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Uh, since uh, the Friday speech, we are made to groups who are helping us in the temple to cook. And today's speech has been cooked by a youth group, which is Pandav Sena. It was already mentioned about this Friday. If you want to come and take off a slot, you can help us in the kitchen, cleaning, cutting vegetables, they most sure come. And uh, so I request you to please help out with this festival. And if you are interested in any service on Sunday, please see myself or Jana Charitum. Thank you. And the platform will be served upstairs. Upstairs in the temple room. Right outside. Thank you.